This is Edgar Otraves bringing you another episode of the Flow Road Podcast. On today's show, I have my good friend Martin the Lion. We're going to be talking about boxing. On our list of topics, we have Ryan Garcia, we have Tank Davis, we have Delfimo Lopez, and a whole bunch of other stuff. As always, like, subscribe, comment, wherever you get your podcast at. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram as The Flow Roll. And like always, if you're in the need for a t-shirt, a cup, a throw pillow, head on over to theflowrollpodcast.com. There you'll find not only our content, but you'll have links to our store. It is always great to talk to Martin about boxing. I just love talking about fighting. It, it's, uh, you know, it warms my heart. I hope you liked the episode. Uh, I had fun doing it. And here's the show. Welcome to another episode of the Flow Roll Podcast. Today we have Martin the Lion. Uh, I am Ergo Traves. And, uh, <laughs> and so today we're back on the topic of boxing. Um, and uh, so off the podcast, Martin was getting me all excited. He started dropping all this knowledge. Martin, so what were you saying again? Yeah, well, the, the first thing I think I wanted to give mention, just out of respect to, to the gods, was the passing of former heavyweight champion Leon Spinks, who died just a few days ago at the age of 67. Apparently he had been battling cancer for a long time. So um, our obviously our condolences to all his family and friends. Uh, very, We can talk a little bit about his legend because he really was a boxing legend. Yeah. He, he ended up being part of boxing royalty with his family, brothers and children who fought. But um, yeah, unfortunately he passed away this week. And I know you may know that the boxing tradition is that they do a 10 count, a celebratory 10 count. Like before a big fight, if uh-huh. somebody passes away, they'll ring the bell 10 times during a moment of silence. Oh, wow. In remembrance of, of this forgotten, this fallen uh, hero or, or former boxer. So if we were doing this right, we'd be ringing the bell 10 times in memory of, of Leon Spinks. But yes, an incredible story. I mean, I, Leon Spinks, first of all, was a former U.S. Marine former world champion, so obviously a very tough guy. He uh, was also part of the legendary 1976 Olympic boxing team, Uh which was probably one of, if not the best boxing team that the U.S. has ever sent to an Olympic Games. Uh, It included um, guys like Sugar Ray Leonard were on that boxing team, was also a gold medalist. That's amazing. Uh, Howard Davis, amazing fighter, but never really did much in the pros, but he was certainly an an amazing uh, amateur. So he was part of that legendary um, class, I guess, Olympic fighting class. And then he goes on to beat Muhammad Ali in only his eighth professional fight. Wow. And he has another added distinction, which I did not know until a couple of days ago. He is the only man to take Muhammad Ali's heavyweight title in the boxing ring. What? Really? Wait a minute. Muhammad Ali never that he that's the only time he ever lost the heavyweight title in the ring. But he's lost. Yes. But when he lost, he was not the heavyweight champion. Okay. So yes, he was undefeated. And actually, this will lead into something that we'll talk about in a second, um, regarding uh this movie that was just put out um on, on one of the streaming services. But yes, when when Ali Ali was undefeated. When he became heavyweight champion, he was undefeated when he lost his boxing license for refusing to take the step forward to, to be inducted into the into the draft during the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. So he loses his boxing license. And of course, he's stripped of the title. Yeah. 
when when he's finally allowed to come back to boxing, Joe Frazier is now the champion. Okay. And then this is why Ali, one of this refrains in the lead up to the fight was saying, I, I, I'm still the champ if nobody's beaten me. Nobody's beaten me. I still am the champ. And this is where he came up with the idea that he was the people's champ, that uh-huh. the people knew he was the real champ because nobody had whooped him yet in the ring to yeah. take his title. Well, he loses that first fight versus Frazier, but he wasn't the champion at that point. Okay. He was a challenger. Um, but he beat Frazier at one point. And then, yes, then he beats Frazier later on. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, but that's, but when he beats Frazier, the second, when he fights him the second time, they're both of, neither of them are champions. Oh, Jesus Christ. I didn't know that. So, yeah. So when Frazier and Ali fight for the second time, Frazier has just been destroyed by George Foreman in okay. that famous fight where he gets knocked down like seven or eight times, just destroyed by George Foreman, who was a monster back then. Yeah, he was. So that's their second fight. And then the third fight happens right after Ali regains the title by beating Foreman. So after he beats Foreman, he fights Frazier the third time. He beats Frazier. Uh-huh. He continues fighting. Then he doesn't lose again until he faces Leon Spinks. Okay. So, and even though he, like, like you said, yes, he did lose some fights along the way, but at the time he was not heavyweight champion. Um, so yes, so that's another, I just was astounded by that. He has that distinction of being the only man to have taken his title away in the boxing ring. So ah. mad props to Leon Spinks. Um, I had now, no idea. I thought, I thought he might've lost that title along the way to, to Joe Frazier, smoking Joe. And you know what? It, it had never occurred to me, but yeah, that's, that makes perfect sense. Ali never lost the title in the ring until he fought Leon Spinks. Huh. Huh. And, and now this is a well past his prime, Muhammad Ali. I, I remember that I had many, I had a couple of friends that were convinced that Ali threw the fight so that he could win the championship again and be the only person to win it three times. So there was people who thought that he, because it really did, it really didn't make any sense that, that Leon Spinks could beat Muhammad Ali, even in advance Muhammad Ali. And the rematch, Ali beat him pretty easily. And, and then really, uh, Leon Spinks didn't really do much after that. He fought Larry Holmes once, trying to get another, trying to win the title again. He got beaten pretty badly by Larry Holmes. Uh, I believe he went down to cruiserweight, made you know, tried to do a little bit down there, but didn't really do anything. His brother Michael Spinks, of course, went on to become the light heavyweight champion, and then the heavyweight champion. He would eventually beat Larry Holmes before losing the title in that big fight against Mike, with Mike Tyson, where he gets knocked out in the first ninety seconds. I believe. I, I remember that one. I remember him getting knocked out. It was it was ferocious. Like I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't get it. I had to like read it about it in the paper. And the description was like, this guy got knocked out in the first round or something. And it was like destruction. And I was like, what? The way they described it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But like, ah, oh, man. So, okay. So then you said that there's a movie now. So there's, there's this movie. Is it, I believe it's on prime, right? No, I, I want to say it, it's on prime and it's called one night in Miami. Mm-hmm. And it's about, it's a fascinating story, which I've known a little bit about for a while, just because it, it's about two of my idols, Muhammad Ali in the boxing ring and the immortal Sam Cooke, the legendary singer, entertainer. Um, but it's about the night in February, 1964, down in Miami. And just to set the stage, this is an incredible weekend for American culture. It's really hard to describe what a huge weekend this is. So on this weekend in early February, 64, we have to remember this is right after John F. Kennedy was assassinated in November. Okay. The prior November, the country is really scared. 
right? Are, you know, are the Russians behind this? Are they trying to take over? And on top of that, Muhammad Ali, this or at that time, Cassius Clay, is this loudmouth heavyweight who's palling around with Malcolm X. Yes. And I know it may be hard for people to believe, but there was a time when America was scared shitless of black liberation and black freedom. We know those days have long passed. I'm being very sarcastic right now in case you're not picking it up. Um, <laughs> uh, so yes, so that the nation of Islam scared the shit out of America in 1964. Hmm. And Malcolm X in particular scared the shit out of them. And there's this guy, Cassius Clay, palling around with Malcolm X, talking all this shit about, you know, uh, again, black liberation, you know, being free of, of the white man's oppression. And that didn't sit too well. Um, so that, that weekend, Cassius Clay is fighting for the heavyweight championship against Sonny Liston. Okay. Sonny Liston at this time is considered a monster. Cassius Clay at this time, as, his name, as he is called, is a huge underdog. Nobody seriously thinks he has a chance to beat the big bear, as they called him. He, uh, Sonny Liston had just come off of just destroying a bunch of guys, including um, uh, Floyd, what was his name? Floyd, Floyd Patterson. Okay. Was a former heavyweight champion, former Olympic champion. Oh, Liston destroyed him twice. Like he was a paper bag, just ripped him apart. Ooh. Brutal. And on top of that, he also had connections with the mob. So he was just imagine like a bigger, stronger, mobbed up Mike Tyson guy. <laughs> you know, this was the image that he that, that he carried to the American public. So the idea that Cassius Clay at that time would be able to do anything to Sonny Liston was preposterous. So as, as it turns out for this weekend, um, Cassius Clay gets together. He brings Malcolm X down to Miami to kind of, I guess, help prop him up. And they meet up with Sam Cooke, who I think is the greatest male vocalist in the history of recorded music. Oh, wow. I'll put it out there. I think Sam Cooke is easily the greatest male vocalist that has ever been recorded. Pop music. I, we'll, put, we'll put opera aside. I'll put opera aside because I don't uh -huh. want to say he's better than an opera singer because that's kind of a tough thing. But in terms of pop vocalist, male, hands down, Sam Cooke, best. No, no, no question about it wow. in my book. And as a matter of fact, that very weekend, uh -huh. Sam Cooke records a legendary live performance in Miami which is called One Night Live at the Harlem Square Theater, where Sam Cooke rips it up. If, if anybody has a chance to listen to this, this is, I, I for a long time thought it was the greatest live recording I've ever heard. Now I'd say it's probably the second greatest live recording I've ever heard uh, after the Allman Brothers live at the Fillmore. But this is Sam Cooke in his element with a largely black audience, fucking throwing down vocally with soul, and those gospel roots and the crowd is going nuts. The women are screaming for him. The guys are yelling at him like you're the man. It's, it's pretty incredible. You have to listen. Again, I would strongly urge people to, re to, to go catch this recording of Sam Cooke live at the Harlem Square Theater. It is one of the, great, one of the greatest live recordings ever captured. Wow. I gotta, it's I'm magic. Gonna, I'm going to check this out. Harlem. Sam Cooke, Harlem, like a live recording? Yeah, Harlem, I believe it's called the Harlem Square Theater. Okay. And, uh, and in particular, I want to say it's on side two. There's this little part where he, he goes from a song called Somebody Have Mercy, and he begins to go into another song, great song, called uh, Bring It On Home To Me. He does like a little sermon, a little preachy thing, 
that leads into the next one, it is electrifying. Wow. Electrifying. I mean, the just talking about it, the hairs on your skin stand up, the way he engages the audience and the passion that he puts into it. And to think this is happening this weekend. This is happening just a few hours after his buddy, Cassius Clay, has defeated Sonny Liston by knocking him out in the eighth round and to become the heavyweight champion. So, so in the movie, where does the movie start? Does it start with uh, like Cassius Clay fighting? Does it start before the fight? Does that well, I haven't seen it yet, so I'm, okay. I'm waiting to I'm waiting to see it. But it, it's about that weekend, and then then Jim Brown, the great football player, is part of the group. And and my presumption is that these four gentlemen begin to talk about how to move, how to push the movement forward. Oh, okay. Uh, because of course you had. I wouldn't say you had two factions, but you had at least two different ways of approaching this. You had the kind of the Martin Luther King way, the nonviolent, and then now you had the Malcolm X way, a little bit more militant, a little bit more in your face, and like, no, yes. we're not asking, we're taking. Yes, yes. Kind of attitude. Um, and of course, both of them were scary to, to, to white America, but the latter was much more scarier mm -hmm. to, 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 to white America. And, and just as an interesting aside, the next day after the fight, Cassius Clay announces. Again, the next day, not even 24 hours later, he says, guess what, America? I am a black Muslim, and my name is now Muhammad Ali. That's the next day. The next day. Jesus Christ. That's a big, that's a yes, big goddamn day. Like a yes. big, big, big few days. Big weekend. And on top of that, kind of a little bit of a side, it's not part of the movie, but the Beatles are in town because they're coming in because the Ed Sullivan has come down to Miami. The Ed Sullivan show has come down to Miami. Just one week earlier, the Beatles made their debut on American television, which was one of those cultural seismic events in the U S uh, I think it's still the largest percentage of, of TV sets watching one program ever. I think it was like 75% of the U S television sets were watching the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Wow. Just think about that for a second, a 75 share dude. That is, that, there must have been so much going on during that time. And like, how do you, and you don't have internet, you don't have cell phones. That's like, the other thing, yes. How did this stuff all get out? Like 75%, that's a lot of people. And even back then, I mean, I understand that, you know, the population has grown way much more by, by the, you know, since then. But how do you get the word out? How do you do that? You know, like. The Super Bowl probably doesn't even get like a 30 share. At, at the best, maybe. Whew. It's usually in the 20s. Yeah. A 75 share. Um, so this is the week afterwards. So the Beatles are going to do a second appearance. So needless to say, it's going to be a big event. The Beatles come down to the training camp and clown around with, uh, with, um, with, with Cassius Clay at that point. This is before he's Muhammad Ali in the training camp. <clears throat> so it's always one of those things that, are, man, it would just have been so cool if I could have just been there with three of my idols, I could have hung out with Ali, with Sam Cooke, and with the Beatles, all in the same weekend in Miami in 1964. Holy crap. I mean, never mind, not just like you, you have, you have, you know, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, all these people talking possibly in, in one, in one space, but then you have Beatles It's just like, what? Like, there's so much shit going on. There's just so much going on. Like, I, if I was one of, like, their little entourage people, my head would have been exploding every other day, you know? 
Like, what? We're meeting with Malcolm X now? What? We're going to see the Beatles now? What? We're going to see, you know. Like, we're going to the Sam Cooke show tonight? Like, we're going to oh. the Sam Cooke? Like, like, you're going to ruin me for the rest of the, you know, the rest of, of life because no weekend is going to be like that ever again, you know? How, yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> it's going to be a tough weekend to top. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the movie and see how they, how they do a take on it. I, I did notice also that uh, on Prime, there's also a documentary on Sam Cooke, which that's the feature film I, I wish they would make because the Sam Cooke story and the, the tragic ending of his life is, it's, just, it, it's a movie that's already written. I, 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 don't, I don't understand why this hasn't been done yet, why the biopic hasn't been done. There's been a number of documentaries, but, and so there's a new one on, on, on Prime on Sam Cooke for people who don't know that much about him or may only know him for a couple of his, you know, big hits. Mm-hmm. He was much more than that. He, he was a civil rights leader. He was, I believe the first black man to own his own record company because wow. he, re- he refused to have his, um, his, his rights sold, you know, be, be, um, be owned by a corporation. So he could, he was his own, he also, well, he wrote his own songs. So that that's the reason why he could do that. So yeah, just he, an incredible story and just a, a tragic death as well for Sam Cooke. Um, but so if people want to catch that. That's also a, a great thing to watch in addition to this one night in Miami. So I'm looking forward to watching. I've been wanting to watch it the last couple of days. Um, so I will watch it. Hopefully next time we see it, we can check it out. We can discuss it and see what we thought about it. But it looks like it's a really good movie. Yeah, I've been wanting to check out that uh, one night in Miami. Uh, I saw it in the in my feed or in the uh, in like the ad space for like Prime or whatever, mm-hmm. and yeah. I just and and I put it in my watch list. But my watch list is like a thousand things long, you know? so it's <laughs> yeah. just so maybe I'm gonna bump it up to the top now because uh, you you really kind of presented a lot. Damn, it's, I had no idea. Like, because they don't tell you in the little the little info, you know, uh, the little synopsis. Yeah, they don't tell you like all the stuff that you're talking about. You know that there's the Beatles, and then it's after the death of F, you know of uh, of uh, JFK. JFK. Yeah. I was gonna say FDR. JFK, and <laughs> you know it's just like there's it's a it's there there must be so much energy in america mm-hmm. anxiety wise oh like yeah hope wise fear wise all the all those like there must be so much emotion going on in in the in the world but it's, again like you don't have social media you don't have internet you don't have these other things kind of throwing fuel on the fire right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so maybe 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 like my perception of it might be wrong. You know, maybe people were just like, Oh, look, look who's on TV. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like I have yeah. no idea what, what the general perception was back then. Yeah. Well, certainly by this time, Malcolm X was well known and was um, feared. It was definitely feared. The, the opinions around him were pretty well formed. Mm-hmm. I mean, people, people hated uh, MLK. They hated Martin Luther King. Uh, so you can only imagine what they thought about Malcolm X. Yeah. Wow. Wow, that's that sounds like some really good watching right there, man. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. I can't wait to watch that. I can't wait to watch that. And, and it's also a time I think for us boxing fans when boxing was was much more at the forefront of popular culture, where it was where the heavyweight champion of the world was one of the most famous people on the planet. You wow. know, this is that time. Um, so I, I also think it's kind of neat to see that it's just to see the kind of impact that boxing used to have on the culture at large. Yeah. Well, yeah. And this kind of is a good segue now, because what I'm saying, what I want to say is, is that now one of the complaints are 
and you've mentioned this before, but uh, that the title doesn't mean anything anymore. There's so many of there's so many of them, mm-hmm. and, and so many like little organizations. Everybody's got a belt. Everybody's got like five, six belts, and it's like it, it's it doesn't. It, it kind of takes away the impact, the importance of being a champion, right? Um, which is one of like Delfimo's complaints. Um, he mm. was in a, on a, on a recent podcast with uh, Mike Tyson, oh, and yeah, yeah. and one of the take, takeaways during the uh, during that conversation because there there wasn't much else, but in my opinion, but excuse me, like uh, it was his complaint was that there's so many people with so many belts that it devalues the belt, and he just mm. wants to fight. He wants to prove that he is the best, which I have nothing but respect for. He wants to, you know, make a name for himself, not as, uh, a, I guess, what he called a paper champion. He wants to be a, a champion who does not fear fighting anyone, mm-hmm. who he will take whoever he wants, whoever, whenever, whoever's ready. And I, I really admired that. Um, again, you know, Tofimo Sr. was on there. He... <laughs> He likes to steal the spotlight and uh no dude what is up with that guy he bothers me man he bothers he, he bothers me too yeah and and I don't want to I I don't want to speak bad of the guy because obviously he's very proud of of his son right and and mm-hmm. his, his treatment of his son the success that he's had with him it, it's it, it you know I don't know if it came from a, from a place of love right I don't know if he's using his son. I don't know if he's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if he's proud of his son. Um, does uh, the other, because one of the problems I have with him is, is that he, he, every second, every moment that he can, he can steal the spotlight from his son. He seems to kind of go for it. And I'm like, dude, yeah. this is, this is not your time, you know? Mm-hmm. And his son is kind of like, he doesn't care. Right. Like it's like, at least from what I got, in the in the podcast his son was fine with his father you know jumping in and saying whatever being the hype man and doing all the nonsense and i um and I, I the only thing i can think of is is that when you have accomplished shit you know when you're a man who's done so much you know sometimes you don't need to say anything right which is kind of like why mm-hmm. someone like someone like um canelo never brags, never does any of that show talk, never, he just, he's got nothing to prove, right? Mm-hmm. He's done stuff, right? And then now you got this guy, his, his you know, got Tilfimo Sr. I don't want to say he never done anything, but he doesn't have what his son has, right? Right. And so he's, you know, yeah. absolutely living vicariously through his son's success. And it's, uh, it's sad. It's sad I feel bad for him because I don't know if he realizes what he looks like. Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe mm-hmm. he doesn't, maybe he doesn't care. You know, I don't know. But, um, but uh, the, the thing that I've been enjoying most is all the shit talking that these guys will do because they get on that podcast and Tyson will call up like, uh, I, can't, I can't remember who he called up. I want to say it was Javante Davis. I don't think it was. It was yeah. Yeah. I think he did. I, yeah. I think he did. Or was, or was it, it Delvin Haney? I was going to say Delvin Haney. 
uh, Haney, because um, he he called him up, and, and Delfimo Jr. was like, "What's up, you ugly mother?" <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, "Yeah," and so I I can't help but enjoy um, the Mike Tyson podcast for 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 him doing that kind of stuff because he he takes every moment to instigate, and it's all fun. Like they're all. They all yeah. like look at each other. I was just like, wow, what a fun little boys club you guys got going on there. <laughs> well, half the fun to the lead of a, of a fight is just is just the shit talking going back and forth. That's that's a big part of the fun. So yeah, I'm all for that. I'm down for that. Give give me all the all the good good shit talking. As long as it's a good fight, I'm I'm down with it. Yeah, and 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 it doesn't seem like they're doing it like. Uh, it seems all like in fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. Cause they were all laughing, you know, and the other guy was <laughs> taking it pretty, you know, was taking it in stride, you know, but, uh, but he did the same thing with uh, Ryan Garcia and uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Garcia was the one who was talking the tank. He talked the tank. I was, yeah. I say, yeah. Ryan is, is, he doesn't need much to get going. He, no. he doesn't need much to egging on. Yeah. And no, he, and he's young and, and, and it was interesting to watch him live. Or not live, but you know, watch them like mm-hmm. actually talk, you know, because I, I only see them in like you know in his Instagram feed and then you know right yeah after fights and stuff. But to see him like his personality and stuff, and to see who he is, I'm like, oh, you just you're just young, you're just young, incredibly young, incredibly young. You don't you don't not that he doesn't know anything, but he's just like he just you know he's he hasn't he hasn't matured yet, you know. Yeah, he's. And he's excitable, you know. He's got that energy. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's like so good, like to see that. And it's also just yeah. like, damn, like you just if you only had a few more years of wisdom on you, you would know better than you know to in certain situations. Because I guess one of the things he did was he challenged Davis on the podcast. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> Tyson Tyson called the guy up, fucking uh, fucking Garcia got on the phone, called them all kinds of names. And said that he was gonna challenge him and he was gonna kick his ass, and then like three days later or something, he announces he's got a fight with Pacquiao, which I heard now is in doubt. Yes, yes. I heard, yeah, but I just saw that 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 uh, De La Hoya and Golden Boy are saying that that might not happen. Which it always, I, I guess we, we can talk about uh, Ryan Garcia's last fight in a second, but that that matchup always struck me as curious. Why, if you're Ryan Garcia, why you would want that Pacquiao fight? I I really don't. I mean, maybe you could say you beat a legend, but it's it's certainly a, a tarnished, an older legend. I would say mm, yeah. certainly not in his prime. To me, I would say Ryan Garcia has nothing to win. You win, you beat up an old man. You lose, you lost to an old man. Yeah, I didn't. At least I didn't see it. I'm I'm sure they had another calculus. I'm sure they're thinking, wow, this would be a great notch on our belt. We you know we beat. Manny Pacquiao, no, fuck that. We retire his ass. We retire Manny Pacquiao. And yeah. then we move on to get the next one. You know, I I, I guess if that's how you, you you do the calculus, I guess it makes sense. But, I mean, I, I, I love Ryan Garcia. I think he's an exciting fighter. I, I hope he'll be continue to be an exciting fighter that we'll see into the future in lots of fights. But he's he's kind of there for the taking, too. He, mm. he, he, he I think we talked about this before. When he throws his punches, his, his head is pretty much straight up. His yeah. chin is pretty much out there, and he got caught in this last fight a couple of times. Yes, uh, against a good fighter, a good fighter, but not a, a great puncher. Mm-hmm. So what's going to happen? 
I mean, is Ryan Garcia, is he young enough where he can still learn and change this? Or is he already too much of a finished product and you're not going to change this part of him? That's the way he's going to fight with his chin up and backing straight up like the way he got caught yeah. with his head up and backing straight back up. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I would say, hopefully, if you're in Garcia's camp, you can train him out of that, or, or you know, or get him to be a more defensive fighter in that regard. But I don't know if you can. Maybe that's how, can that lion change its stripes, or can that tiger yeah. I guess change its stripes? Yeah. So like, like it's interesting that you bring up. I didn't notice that he had his head up. I, I got to go look and study the fight because I did see the fight. But um, and I remember thinking like, wow, he got up, right? He got up, and impressive, he, yeah. Yeah, he was able to kind of fight through. And it's one of the things he talked about, like being able to like kind of come out of being knocked down because um, he's got some fast hands. He's, yes, he's got some really fast hands. And he eventually stopped. Was he Australian again? Was he Australian, English? I can't he's remember. an English, English guy. This, yeah. is, this is the guy who fought uh, Lomachenko and gave Lomachenko a really hard fight, pushed him to the edge right before Lomachenko went on to fight Teofimo. Oh, I didn't know that was the guy. So, and this dude, Luke Campbell, he's a English guy. He, I, I believe, he won a gold medal in the Olympics. So, he's a good fighter. He's, you know, he's a well-schooled, good technical fighter. Mm. Not the biggest, not the biggest one-punch knockout artist, but he's a good fighter. Yeah. Well, he caught him pretty hard because I mean, I saw some of the, like the replays, and and it, and it like the sound was huge. It was like a huge clap. But mm -hmm. then, but then, like. Um, Ryan Garcia caught him with that like body hook or shovel hook. Oh, oh my god, that looked, <laughs> looked like that hurt a lot. Yeah, that was that was Ooh. wonderful. That was a wonderful oh. punch because it was. I, I I was looking to see like how the guy fell for it, and I think he just wasn't seeing it coming. Because yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, because I didn't see I didn't see anything that could like to, that could have set it up. You know, because I mean, you know, maybe he was throwing a lot of hooks to the head, you know, and maybe that's why Campbell fell for it. You know, he thought it, a hook to the mm -hmm. head was coming and instead he, you know, he, he got it to the body. I, I didn't see anything like that. I think it was just a punch this guy threw that he saw an opening for and he got it and, and, and kicked the shit out of him. Like it just not, yeah. you know, took him, took him out. And, and that, that's, woo, man, I felt that one. Yeah, that looked vicious. That looked incredible. <laughs> it caused a lot of pain. And that's, that's the thing about Garcia. He's got fast hands, but he's able to sit down on his punches. He's not just uh, pitter-patting fast. He is coming at you with some leverage, and he's generating a lot of power with that speed. Yes. Um, he, like, of course, he, I, he, like, leaped saying, but, yeah, Go ahead. I was going to say, and that's kind of the bad part. We're right. He, I was about to say that. He kind of leaps in a little bit, but if he comes in with his head up and his chin sticking up, a guy like Pacquiao is going to catch him. Yes. Yes. Now, I do remember that image now. I have that image in my head where he kind of jumped in, like, and he jumped. He leaped into that punch and caught him solid, and he threw that. They, he, jumped, he jumped so far that he threw that hook to the body kind of short. But he, he got so close to him. In my head, I can see it. He... He was a little straight up. So I remember, I remember, now I know what you're talking about. Yeah, Pacquiao would kick his ass. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I would think that a certain, I don't know. I mean, obviously, we, again, with age and a fighter, you never know. They can get old overnight. But the last time I saw Pacquiao, I would give him a really good chance of catching this kid. And, and Come on, this guy, 
Pacquiao swap everybody. I mean, he's going to figure you out, yeah. especially if you have an obvious weakness like that or an obvious chink in your armor. He's going to figure it out. That's a bad one, too. Keeping your head up like that. Like, you should have figured that out a long time ago. You should have, you should have taken that one out of, your, out of your bad habits category a long time ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm just shocked that there hasn't been a trainer. Maybe they have tried it and they just can't train it out of him. But yeah, you're right. He, he just doesn't have a very good bend at the waist, a good, a good side to side. He, he tends to have kind of, especially when he throws that hook, because that's, that's his big punch, his left hook. He really seems to be very erect and kind of straight up and, and throwing that punch, generating a, a shitload of power. And then if he hits you, you're in big trouble. But if he misses, he's, he's there. Mm-hmm. Hmm which we've kind of seen already. Yeah, but he's an exciting fighter. I mean, I'll, I'll watch Ryan Garcia fight anytime. Yeah, let's, I'll watch that fight. I, uh, right now, the lightweight division is exciting because Ryan Garcia is like the number one or two contender. Teofimo is the champion. Uh, Lomachenko is still ranked in there. You got Tank Davis coming yes. off of that big one-punch knockout of, of Santa Cruz. Very impressive. You got Haney, hungry, tough guy. So... I'm really looking forward to some lightweights mixing it up in 2021 and uh, kind of fleshing this out and, and see if Teofimo can prove that he is the one and only lightweight champion of the world uh, with all these young guns coming after him, which is great. That's exciting. Mm, man. So who, so who, who would you make the next fight for in terms of like Ryan Garcia? Who would, who would you put? If you were if you're in camp now, the Pacquiao is probably not going to happen. Right. I mean, right. It looks like that's out of the, yeah, I wouldn't. Why would you do that again? Why would you do that? Fuck that. Yeah, yeah. Because then Pacquiao, if Pac, like you said, Pacquiao kicks your ass, eh, that's not good for your you. Your stock drops big time. Yeah, and and even if you win again, how much is your stock going to rise off of that? People are going to say, ah, oh, it's a Pacquiao. He's past his prime. You're not going to get the uh, the plaudits that you thought you would have gotten maybe five years ago, ten years ago. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Amongst the lightweights, for I, well, obviously Teofimo is the big fight, but I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think Gervonta Davis or or Devin Haney are just the natural ones. They're staring us in the face. Yeah. Uh, Devin Haney is twenty five and zero with fifteen KOs. Nice. Ryan Ryan Garcia is twenty one and zero with eighteen KOs, and these guys don't like each other. They can talk <laughs> a lot of shit, which is always fun. Yes. Um, and, and Javante Davis is 24 or no with 23 knockouts. Wow. So Javante is, is a scary dude. He's a little, little fire plug of a dude, a little, little fire hydrant. But man, we saw when he landed an uppercut against Santa Cruz, who's a good fighter with a good chin. Yeah. One punch KO'd his ass. Yeah. Uh, He's got power. Yeah. A lot of power. He's got a lot of power that kid. So I think any of those fights would be great. And like I said, and I know they, they really don't like each other between the three of them which is always big fun it's like it's like uh what was that big rivalry uh, um eric morales and marc antonio barrera do you remember those they uh oh dude if you haven't seen those those are from the late 90s early 2000s uh-huh. um marc antonio barrera from mexico city and eric morales from tijuana those boys hated each other and they were good fighters and they actually have a manny pacquiao connection oh really well Barrera was in his prime. He was one of the best fighters in the world, pound for pound. And he comes out and he faces this relatively unknown kid named Manny Pacquiao, making his television debut in whatever, 95, 98, whatever that was. 
Fucking Pacquiao runs him over. I remember watching that fight. <laughs> Could not believe it. Like yeah. I thought, you know, Burrow is going to beat this this little Filipino kid in a couple uh-huh. of rounds, and you know, he's make the next big fight. And fucking from round one, Pacquiao just beats the shit out of Burrow. A good, good fighter. Uh, and then later on, Pacquiao would go on to lose to Eric Morales in their first fight. Huh. I don't know if you remember that. Eric Morales and Pacquiao fought soon after Pacquiao had won the title from Barrera. Uh-huh. I didn't know Morales that. wins that fight. Yeah, Morales wins that first fight with Pacquiao. I believe he knocks him down once, too. I believe he knocks Pacquiao down once. He beats Pacquiao in that first fight. Pacquiao comes back to beat him two more times later on. But Barrera and Morales, those were like Rocky movie wars, dude. Oh, because <laughs> these boys did not like each other. And you know how you got two Mexican guys who can fight who don't like each other. Dude, it was serious. In the press conferences, they were fighting. In between rounds, they were fighting. I think their <laughs> wives were fighting in the audience. Like, <laughs> there is genuine badass blood between them. Like, they don't like each other at all. And, dude, they put on some fights. I believe, I want to say it was two, maybe three fights. Oh, but those were, those were, again, they were like Rocky movies, but real life Rocky movies. It, fought at the highest level. It always breaks my heart to see Latinos like, like hate each other like that, but it, it's even more ridiculous when they're from the same country and they hate each other. I'm like, dude, you're not that much different than that guy. Like, like, mm-hmm. why, 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 what's wrong with you? <laughs> why are you guys fighting? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No, this was good. This was good. Cause it was genuine. It wasn't, you know, a put on, they weren't just doing it for promotion or cameras. They did not like each other. <laughs> <laughs> they just did not like each other. Yeah. And they made it clear when it, whenever one could, could sucker punch the other one at a press conference, they would do it. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. I mean, oh, yeah. Anytime, anytime there was a chance, boom, oh, it's like a bunch of the other one. <laughs> oh, wow. So then, <laughs> oh, shit. So then, you know how, like, after you lose a fight, right? You know, you're always like, oh, you know, he's a great fighter, you know, respect, you know. Did this ever happen with these two guys? I, I think they did begrudgingly, like after the the second or the third fight. I think, I think, I, if I remember correctly, they were all close. And I want to say after the first fight, uh, yeah, there was none of that. They were like, "No, fuck that. He's an asshole. I hate his guy." <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, if I see his mom on the street, I'm kicking her ass too, and all that shit. <laughs> uh, but I think eventually they did. And actually, now Eric Morales is a great um, analyst on, on I want to say Telemundo Univision. Uh, he does. He does some good analysis. Actually, Morales, Morales says that Manny Pacquiao would knock out Ryan Garcia in two rounds. Ooh, oh, Morales is like, yeah, nah, son, you better take it easy. So, like, huh? Interesting. Well, you know, like I was saying, man, Ryan Garcia, he's he's young, he's excited. You know, I think I think his emotions, his youth, just got the better of him. You know, and he talked he talked ahead before the. The, the fight was going to happen. It's it's unfortunate. Uh, probably not a good idea. You're right. Pacquiao's not. Yeah, a good I don't see what he gets out of it, but whatever, I guess. Um, yeah. But now that that looks like it's off, there's a lot of stuff on the on the lightweight in the lightweight on the lightweight horizon that bodes well. Settle down there. I got my little dog here barking back behind. Me. Uh, <laughs> he's got stuff to say too, man. He's, he's I, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, she's she's a little girl, so she's more like a, a female. Female fighter. She's yeah. tough. Little. She thinks she's a tough little girl. She <laughs> she's barking at my big, uh, at my big dog. Nice. It's, it's a funny picture. If you can, I can show you. 
You can see him back there. Oh. She's barking at the big one laying in bed there. Like she owns the joint. Yeah, that's usually the case, man. It's always the little one. Usually is. (laughs) They got to show who's boss because of their size. That's right. That's right. So um, one more more point I wanted to come up. Mm -hmm. I want to bring up, you know, aside from um, like, uh, again, from the from the Tyson uh, part of the show, uh, Evan Britton, who was the co-host on that show had left the show or was kind of forced out. Yeah, I'd heard some stuff about that. Yeah, the former football player, Evan Britton. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Former Chicago Bear, I believe. Oh, was he a Chicago Bear? I didn't know that. I believe so, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow, too bad for that guy. But um, yeah, so like he left and um, he did this weird thing on YouTube where he was talking about what had happened between him and the show. And he didn't want to burn any bridges, but then he goes on and talks about what had happened. And I'm like, well, dude, mm. you're kind of burning bridges right here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you're kind of lighting matches by the ropes that are holding up the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so then, like, dude's like, uh, so he said that he didn't want to leave the show, but that the business of the show had gotten in the way. And so then they got Jeremy Piven in there, who is basically just playing his best imitation of Evan Britton, you know? And I'm trying to figure out like, like why bring in Jeremy Piven? Like I, I don't see, don't see him adding much to the show. It's interesting that he's there and it's cool, but uh, I, I, I just, uh, I just feel like Tyson doesn't need anybody, you know? Mm-hmm. Like Tyson, Tyson is this kind of weird like new uh, like 2020 guru slash wise men you know like he's he's the guy that you go seeking knowledge from on the top of the Mm -hmm. mountain you don't need a babysitter for this guy you know but i guess that's what he's doing he's like the receptionist at the mountain you know he's just like (laughs) letting people in letting letting people know when the time is up you know stuff like that because that's all he's really kind of doing which is fine. I mean, I guess, you know, if there's money for that, but like, why, why get rid of Jared? Like, uh, why put in Jeremy Piven, get rid of Evan Britton? Like let the man who, who helped you start the show stay, you know, like I, I didn't understand that. Yeah. They seem to compliment. At least I always thought that Evan Britton and, and Mike Tyson really compliment each other well on the podcast and kind of his, his demeanor really played well off of Tyson's demeanor. And the fact that they were both pro athletes who had gone through these struggles with, you know, be, being a professional athlete, the, the issues around fame and and the access that you have to stuff that most of us don't have access access to, um, and how overwhelming that can be. I, th- I thought his perspective melded nicely with Tyson's perspective. So yeah, I'm I'm sorry to see that he's left the the podcast. You know that that's a good point. I have I think that's what 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 is bothering me. Jeremy Piven, although famous in his own right. And, and has accomplished stuff. He is not an athlete. He is not. He is not like Jer, uh, like uh, Evan Britton, who has succeeded, who has a professional athletic career, who understands some of these things as a, a celebrity from the athletic world. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have that. So, like, I don't. It's not that I don't respect him. I just don't respect him the same as I do Evan. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah. it's, it's unfortunate to see Evan Britton um, get 
pushed out of the show or leave the show or however, whatever the exit was. I, I didn't like seeing it, but yeah, I guess we'll see what happens now. Because uh, they've been getting yeah. some really interesting uh, people on that show. And I, I got to check back in with the podcast. I, I, I've been meaning to, 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 uh, to listen to to uh to the podcast with Teofimo and with Ryan I just haven't had a chance but yeah he it's always such an engaging podcast as you were saying Mike Tyson is just this guru that I could listen to all the time and the, when he when he when he has these moments of self-reflection and of self-insight like, holy shit dude it's really I'm kind of jealous I, I want to have those, those same insights for myself to come to those moments like oh okay this is why I'm doing this yeah uh, it, it's really cool so I yeah I got to get back on, on the Mike Tyson train. Well, one of the one of the things that he always kind of like the uh, kind of uh, tells people is, is like you're doing this, you have this moment. It's not forever. You're not going to be able to do this forever. Understand that you only need two people. You need your 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 coach and a lawyer, and then everybody else is bullshit. And I was just like, damn, you know, like and an accountant and an accountant. <laughs> and an accountant. <laughs> And make sure the lawyer and the accountant are not related in any way. Keep those two fuckers separate from each other. Yeah. Preferably in conflict with each other. Because, yeah, that's that's always a big problem for athletes. When your lawyer hires your accountant, oh, then you're you're getting robbed, son. You're I, I, didn't, robbed. I didn't know that. Is that the case? Is that what happens? I, that, that happens often, certainly in boxing. But I think in other sports where um the, the representation hires the lawyer and then they, they also hire the accountant hmm. and I, I i forget who i heard it might have been it might have been willie galt on on the mike tyson broadcast i mean on the, on the mike tyson podcast hot boxing with mike tyson or it was some other athlete who said no 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 you get your lawyer and then separately you get your accountant and you make sure that they both work for you and that one doesn't work for the other because then they'll rob you blind. Wow. I did not know I'm like, this. Ooh, that's good thinking, Willie Galt. Damn. You see, and that's, unfortunately, someone learned that the hard way. Oh, yeah. Again, many of these athletes don't, don't know that much about financial planning. I mean, come on. Financial planning, the, you know, the whole regulatory structure around accounting and, and, um, and legal representation. And let's face it many athletes come from underprivileged backgrounds and so they're not they don't know about this they don't they don't live in a world of inherited wealth where everybody knows how to how to do your taxes and, and how to keep your tax shelter straight and so people can be taken advantage of and that's that's a story as old as time is the athlete getting ripped off by his management yes yes that's the one thing i kind of i feel that is going right with the uh, lopez camp is because you know, obviously, his dad has his fingers on everything and in, in everything. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. he's got his he's got his fingers on the pulse of everything that's happening with the business of this kid. Now, I'm assuming because I think it I think he is. He does have his head this way. I think that everything he's doing, he's making sure that that his son is getting paid and that he's getting paid. Right. Of, of course, he's getting himself paid, but that his son is getting paid. Right. I think that is the benefit of having someone like Teofimo Senior on your team, because yeah. that guy is a is a pit bull. He will fucking bite onto you, and he will make sure he gets what he wants. 
mm-hmm. you know? And so when you have a guy like that on your team managing shit for you, I think that that is in your favor. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, absolutely. I think that's the one thing that, that is done right in that camp. I think everything else he does is wrong, <laughs> but, yeah. but I think, I think the way he fights for his son is, is, and for his business is admirable. Yeah, it, it really, in a way, I think that if Teofimo can trust his dad and he has good reason to trust his dad, then Teofimo, Teofimo, Teofimo Sr., do whatever you got to do, bro. Do what you got to do. If you if your son can trust you and he has reason to trust you that you're not going to rip him off, fuck it, dude. Do what you got to do. Be the loud mouth. Be the front man. Hype it up. Make sure everybody gets paid. Make sure you're not getting ripped off. Yeah, uh, yeah make sure your accountant and your attorneys are separate. All that good stuff. <laughs> yes. Yes, totally. Oh man. So um anything else you wanna you wanna bring up before we uh before we uh jump off or um let me see. There I, I think there was just one other thing that, that I, I saw briefly that people may wanna hear about is what's going on with uh Wilder. What's going Wilder, on Wilder and well his his former trainer, Mark Breland, the man that, that Wilder accused of actually root being in, in cahoots with with Tyson Fury that he that he uh, threw in the towel too early when he was getting his ass knocked out that uh-huh. guy it was his former trainer well Mark Breland has come out in the last couple of weeks and said that he thinks Wilder's career is over he really has no chance as being a top heavyweight that all he got all he has is one punch and now that people have figured that out he's not going anywhere so apparently Wilder is very very hurt by this which is kind of funny to be like Dude, you just threw your trainer under the bus a couple of months ago. You accused him of siding with the other side. <laughs> Basically setting you up, you know, saying, I, I think I remember I, I told you that he, he started accusing Billion of putting something in his water. Yes. He yes. said he felt weird that no, dude, it wasn't the water. It was, it was the punches to the face. That's what, that's why you felt weird. Oh, that that's poor what, guy. He's going nuts. Oh, that poor yeah, guy. So <laughs> I feel bad for Wilder. I, I suspect he'll pop the money's there. He'll probably have at least one more fight. Because there's money to be made there, but I don't know what else is there's going to be there for him afterwards. So just kind of an interesting little thing that the saga with Wilder continues as we await for the big fight, not just the biggest fight in heavyweight boxing, but I think the biggest fight in boxing for 2021 will be Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury. So I'm hearing they're working on it. I, I know Joshua's fighting later on this winter, early spring, in the lead up to hopefully a fight with uh, with Tyson Fury. So let's keep our fingers crossed because I know all of us want to see that fight. That's I, I want to see that fight. Yeah, I would love to see that fight. That that would be great. That would be that would be fucking great. It would be it would it would make 2021 really really nice for me because you know, with the pandemic and stuff, it's been pretty dull, man. <laughs> yes, you know? yes. You know, I mean, all I really do have good, uh, to look forward to are some good fights. And uh you know what's funny? Like I tried to watch that uh, McGregor fight. McGregor was supposed to fight a, another guy, um, Dustin Poirier, and I was I was trying real hard, but something happened to the uh, ESPN servers. Oh! And so, like, I guess half the people who were trying to log on and and, and watch the show could not get on. Ooh. So, so I don't know what the numbers are or what happened, but. I mean, I, I I missed the first fight and I really wanted to watch it. It was a girl fight. And I missed that first fight, saw it on Twitter that I missed it. And I said, fuck it. I give up. 
because it was like 30 minutes into the show. I didn't get to see it, you know? So I gave oh. up. Yeah, I, I was like, fuck this. You know, I'm not paying. Yeah. I'm not paying because it was like $70. I'm like, I'm not paying $70 for not the whole show, you know? Like, I mean, they, they give you, they, 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 on top of the, the, what you pay for, they throw the show on again on top of mm-hmm. all over again so you could see the replay with the price that you pay. So you could see the replay. But I already know what happened because I saw it on Twitter. Yeah. yeah, it was ruined for me because I'm like trying to figure out what is going on. And I see on Twitter, everybody's like, I can't, ju- I can't, I can't log in. I can't log in. I can't log oh, in. Fuck. And I was like, fuck. So then like, I saw that first fight go and I gave up. I said, screw this. And so then I'm like, and in my head, I'm like, who cares? I'm going to throw away $70. McGregor's going to beat the crap out of uh, Portier. And then I see on, on, you know, I see like, my wife is like, do you want to know what happened to the fight? I'm like, why? He's just like, it's all over Facebook. I was like, fuck. And I was like, fine, <laughs> tell me what happened. Tell me. And she, he is he like, he lost. I'm like, fuck, he lost. So then right away, I stopped what I was doing. And I, and I, and I looked for the fight wherever I could. And, and I found it. And, and then I watched it. And I, I couldn't believe. I saw the knockout. I was like, I couldn't believe that he got knocked out. And I was just like, shit. And all I could think about was, oh, you see, this is what happens. It's more of the same kind of like, you're getting pulled in too many directions kind of stuff. It happened. It happens with every fighter, right? You you start showing up in movies. You start doing businesses and other commercials. Things, commercials yeah, and, you're selling whiskey and shit now. You're selling whiskey. You're selling McDonald's hamburgers in the back of a truck. You're selling <laughs> Foreman grills. You're selling. You're selling all kinds of stuff. Just for men, hair coloring and yeah. shit. <laughs> all kinds of shit. You know, underwear. Under, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get popular. Well, I mean, the other. So, you know the other thing too is just like you again you only have a, a few minutes of stardom exactly yeah i guess you have to cash in right but then like you you, you then you kind of almost shoot yourself in the foot because the thing that makes you a star is the fighting yes. game but if you lose yeah. the fighting game then you can't do all these other things that make you that that take advantage of your popularity yeah. Yeah. It's a delicate balance because you're right. You have to strike while the iron is hot. And of course, endorsement deals are now such a big part of, of money that athletes can make. And But you're right. But you still got to stay focused on what brought you to the dance. Yes. If you forget what brought you to the dance, then it really doesn't matter. Because the second you're no longer champion, guess what? People don't care if you were selling them whiskey or underwear or just for men. Mm-hmm. Uh, suddenly, they, they're moving on to the next guy, the guy who beat you or the yeah. gal who beat you. Yeah, yeah, because then it changes hands, right? That that yeah. ce- that celebrity status changes hands, and yes, you're no longer the the hot ticket anymore. Yep, it's it, it's all fleeting, bro. Everything it's all fleeting. Yeah, it's only for a little while, and then it's gone. It's gone. That's yeah. That's how I think about everything. It's just like okay, well, yeah. see how long this lasts. Yeah, it's all ephemeral. One of my favorite words. It's all ephemeral. Just, what does is that what that means? Like it's it just, temporary, transitory. Just lasts for a little while. It's it's fleeting. It's all fleeting. It's like a like a comet in the sky. It's bright but not long. <laughs> or is that a meteor? I think it's a meteor. It's a Comets meteor. last a long time. They come back every eighty years. <laughs> Got my astronomical metaphors, but you know what I'm saying. I, I knew exactly. Hey, dude, you, if you would have kept going, I wouldn't have known any different, man. I didn't even know what the first word meant. <laughs> It's like a meteor. Bright, but doesn't last very long. No, it doesn't. It burns intensely, but briefly. All right, man. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Um, 
I really thank appreciate you for having you. me. It's always a pleasure. Always Big a fight's pleasure. coming up, yeah, dude. I always enjoy talking to you about boxing, dude. It is so like, much. Oh, fun. It's, it's always. I was gonna let you know that on the zone on the thirteenth, your boy Chocolatito Gonzalez is back. Chocolatito. He's fighting Estrada. It's a rematch of a fight that Chocolatito won. Of course, Chocolatito's had. He's got a little bit of miles on him now. He's got. A, he's been knocked down a few times and lost. But that'll be an interesting fight. And then on the twentieth on ESPN, free fight. Uh, Berchelt versus Valdez, two two Mexican junior lightweights fighting for a title. That should be a good fight. Berchelt, Ber- yeah, Berchelt, very interesting last name. Versus Valdez on February twentieth on ESPN. I'll check those out. I'll make sure to definitely check, check those out, and then we can recap that on next time. Maybe we'll even talk about one night in Miami and any anything else that pops up between then and now and then. Yeah, no, I, I gotta watch that that one night in Miami. I'll let you know what I think, man. It it sounds fantastic. I can't wait to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, brother. Thanks so much for coming on, man. It's a pleasure being here with you always. All right. This is Edgar otra vez with my with my good friend Martin the Lion. And <laughs> we'll catch you next time. Thank you so much. The music you're listening to is titled Sweet Talk by Tyra Chantry. And you can find her over at Epidemic Sound. Man, Martin dropping knowledge. I can't wait to watch that movie Martin was talking about. You can find that movie on Prime and it's called One Night in Miami. Like I said, it's always good to talk boxing with my boy Martin. If you like what you're hearing, why don't you give us a hand and head on over to theflowrollpodcast.com. You know, give us a shout out, comment on stuff, purchase a mug, what have you. Also, don't forget to like, subscribe, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. And as always, thank you for listening. This is Ergo Traves on the Flow Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Bye.